I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. And welcome back, everybody, to this week's All-Star Break edition of the 5.5 Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou. And damn it, Eric, we made it to the All-Star Break. Thank God. Finally. Finally, dude. It's, uh, it's been a long, long road. A tedious road. A, a lot uh, of... Uh, yeah, I've Punishing like ground, Road. Groundhog's Day over and over and over. It's the same shit going on all year, and yep. it's super annoying. Same shit, different toilet yeah. is uh, the way I would put it. So we are at the halfway point, so we're going to do the usual. Let's recap the first half with some highs and lows. Um, I mostly would, uh, lows. Yes, mostly lows. I'd argue the only high you're going to get is if you're token with our boys at uh, Bluntly Padres trying to watch <laughs> these games and get through it. So uh, let's get through the, uh, the very minimal highs here as we start off. Um, he's only played 30, 33 games, excuse me, but Will Myers has been stellar, Eric. He's uh, slashing 282, 341, 556. He's causing some stirs on Twitter, uh, but Will Myers is everything we need him to be outside of liking the wrong city's Mexican food. Yeah, he's the he's the franchise, man. That's Will Myers, baby. He is. Everyone knows how we feel about Will. Yes. He's up there, uh, dude. It's it was really nice to see him come back from injury and then just go off. Absolutely. Because like the whole time in I mean, up until here recently with, um, you know, the low column here, Mr. Hosmer, up until recently, I feel like Hosmer's been fine. You know what I mean? And it was always just like, well, hey, I mean, they're okay. They're kind of close to 500 uh, without Myers. Let's see if Myers comes back and let's see how the team responds to that. And sure enough, he comes back and he's tearing it up, but then the team just falls off a cliff. I guess that means Myers is clearly a cancer in the clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. A cancerous tumor in the clubhouse. To say the least. um, He he has raked um, since, again, it's a real small sample size. I mean, 33 games. It's like a fifth of a season's worth of of time. Uh, And he's not going to get a full season at this point, but the returns so far are promising. And I mentioned before, Myers seems like the kind of guy, he's a chilled, laid-back type of guy who's probably cool to hang out with and talk to, who just wants to show up, have a good time, crush homers, and call it a day. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's doing. So um, it is very promising to see Myers performing at the level he's at, whether or not he's got another, uh, what do we got left, 70 games worth of uh, this kind of production in him will remain to be seen. But to this point, it has been great. Do you think that um, any of his production at this point, do you think any of his production is like uh, due to the fact that, hey, there's no pressure? You know what I mean? Like um, he's not the leader anymore. Uh, He doesn't have to take over that role. He doesn't have to say hi to everyone in the clubhouse before the games because that's (laughs) Hosmer's role now. Yeah. Do you think any of that, like, because I know that you're not really into the intangibles and everything that you can't measure with war or a calculator. Do you think any of that kind of ties into why he's doing so well? See, well, this is a little bit different because this is, I believe there is a mental aspect to the game. I think anything, anybody that goes to work will tell you your job, it can be mentally and physically exhausting. Uh, I, you know, Myers seems to be a guy who kind of hinted maybe he's got some anxiety issues and some insecurity stuff that kind of bothers him um, and hinders his play. I personally believe in that. As somebody that's had anxiety and insecurity issues bother them while they're at work, I can buy into that. So um, if there's some mental clarity there, he, I think he mentioned he had like a mental strength coach and, and right. he's been um, pursuing that to try to better himself uh, between the ears. Yeah, I think that could help. I think having Hosmer there kind of be the 
the smiling face, you know, waving hi to everybody and, you know, being the, the go-to guy, I, I think that could help him mentally and maybe take some pressure off. So I, I'll buy into that a little bit. Uh, clearly, the, So what, you love the Hosmer signing next. No, no. Next question. I, I never, never <laughs> love. Clearly, you know, Hosmer being such a threat is what's getting Will Myers all these pitches, but we'll touch on that later. <laughs> Um, the other real big, I mean, really, let's be honest here. There's not a whole shit ton to talk about from highs. The biggest positive I'd have to say for this year is the development of the farm system, right? Oh, yeah. Because, Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, last year, this time last year and, uh, you know, the year before that, before we got on air here, um, the idea was, yeah, we have a great farm system, but all these guys are so fucking far. They just drafted, a, you know, pretty much their best of their class. It was Preller's first real good draft. And all these guys are far away, so we've had a full season now for guys to develop. Some guys have taken a step back. I think we can all agree Cal Quantrill probably taking a little bit of a step back. Doesn't look um, like that number two bulldog that uh, he was scouted as coming out of the draft. I think his development stunted a bit. But there's other step guys. Step back. Yeah. Well, That's I'm, it? I'm being nice. I think the guy's like a defensive back <laughs> in the NFL, dude. He's backpedaling as fast as he can, dude. I think I think he'll still make the Craig majors. Craig Meddy was yeah. right. Stand with Meddy. Yes, yes. I think he'll still make the majors and still be a quality major league arm. I just don't know if he's that number two guy um, that he looked like he was going to be when we first got him. But No I mean, faith. Bum. Okay, well, that's your take. When uh, <laughs> when he does turn out to be pretty solid, I'll make sure to uh, play this to uh, start the podcast. You do that. Yes. Uh, now, but beyond that, there have been other guys that have broken out that weren't actually viewed in that light. We already know about Tatis, right? Like, we know. They, yeah. We don't need to touch on that. But we know about Urias. I mean, we, you know, great. And we'll hear a little bit more from uh, John Conniff later on about those two um, and Buddy Reed at the Futures game, which Conniff was able to go to this past on-site weekend. On-site at the Futures game. That's right. It's impressive. The, the only on-site coverage, I believe. But... Uh, back to the, the the task at hand here. Mackenzie Gore, right? We got him, uh, the number three overall pick last year. We were pumped. Hunter Green seemed to be the consensus like top guy. I wanted Green the most. I think a lot of people did. Now, Hunter Green, to me, it, he's really raw, but he didn't look that great last uh, yesterday afternoon in the Futures game. Gore has done well. He's got some walks issues, but again, he's missed some time. But he's, I mean, I think personally he has broken out. I think he's going to be in Elsinore fairly soon. Um Assuming they're not going to limit his innings too much, um, Logan Allen, uh, Jacob Nix, and Josh Naylor have made huge strides. These all look like guys who could be, you know, ETA major leaguers by 2019 at some point. Especially Naylor. I actually want to jump into him because yeah. you've been, I mean, you have flip flopped big time <laughs> on Josh Naylor. That's I mean, my bit. A huge flip flop. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't have a rash on the belly flop that you're doing here, <laughs> going to the other side of the Josh Naylor train. Yeah, you know it's. I don't know. I still think he's a bitch for the Twitter oh, stuff. God. I still think he's a bitch for that. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that I don't think he's doing well on the field. Like, sure. I don't think I've ever kind of questioned him on the field. See, I did. Um, I I was iffy on him. I was iffy on him in left field. But then you kind of hear left. You were iffy on him at first. <laughs> well, that's true. But then like, so Conniff was out there for a weekend. I mean, it's a weekend. It's not yeah. gonna be. It's not gonna encompass everything this whole year. But from what he said and from what he's heard. Not that bad. You know, he's not that bad out there and left. And, you know, his bat, that'll play, dude. Like, it, it's getting to the point now with looking at his numbers to where, you know, maybe he's not the best defensive outfielder. Maybe he's not the best defensive first baseman. But you got to find a spot for that bat. And I was going to say, let me ask you this. Right now, he's in double A's, hitting 314 with a 400 on base. He's slugging 473. He could realistically, because he's been hitting all year, right? He got a really hot start. But he's 21 hasn't. in double A. Yeah, he's 21. Up his numbers. He hasn't stopped. 
So at what point do you put him in AAA, and at what point do you say, you know what, we're in a transitional period. They're clearly the, the window of contention is probably 2020 at the absolute earliest, absolute earliest. At what point do you say, you know what, you know, we don't know what we're going to get out of Cordero. We don't know what's going to happen with him. At what point are you okay with just saying, you know what, we'll run Naylor out there for a little while and see what he can do and put Myers in right? Do you think that time is coming? No, I think it's a slow play. For me personally, I think, dude, I'd leave him at double-A the entire year. Hmm. I think he goes double-A entire year. Next year, I, dude, he can hit 75 homers in El Paso. <laughs> He's staying down there all year. He's going to be in El Paso oh. all year. That's if it's me. Now, we were talking also with Conniff, and he told us something, actually a good point, to give props to Lord Voldemort, David uh, J. David J. His theory on this, and basically what he's saying is, he's like, look, Naylor plays left field this year in San Antonio. He plays left field next year, AAA. entire year in AAA in El Paso. And then he has, what is that, three years that he has to play, figure his way out of the outfield in Petco for the Padres. Assuming Hosmer opts Assuming out. Assuming Hosmer opts out, because then that puts you at the five-year mark. So then if he's you know struggling out, well, I say struggling. If he's waddling around out in left field for three years, getting the at-bats, getting that those plate appearances under his belt and getting that experience, then Hosmer goes, he opts out. Ideally, Hosmer opts out. And then that opens a spot for Naylor. Then you slide over a 24, 25-year-old borderline elite bat because he could be that to first base a position that's easier for him to play and then that just immediately plugs that hole i i, I and think then my boy terso ornelis comes up exactly i mean there's for every hole that is going to come up there's there's a plug for that hole immediately yeah and i and i think you're right and this is and again we've had this conversation with uh, john conniff with kevin charity I've mentioned this multiple times. This was the problem that signing Hosmer created and why I always feel like you should at least have a better idea of what you have before you go out and make that kind of move where you can block a guy who could be cheap and give you above average production at a position that you don't really need to fill anyways because I could always move Myers to the outfield. I'm not opposed to that if it's for a prospect that has some upside. Doing it for Hosmer just log jammed everything because now you're putting a guy like Naylor out of position and you're hoping that worst case scenario, Hosmer's only here for two or three years while you run him out there and you know, hope to God that he can hang on yeah. long enough for Hosmer to leave and then move him to first. I honestly think they're going to trade him at some point unless they implement the DH, which, oh, please, God, I hope so. Oh, yeah, but I would love that. Absolutely. Personally. I'm sorry, those. I don't want to see the pitcher hit. If I want to see terrible hacks, I'll just tape myself on Sundays. You know, I feel like here's the thing with the, with the whole DH and the NL. I feel like people either they're like, hell, yeah, I'm on board, or they're like, Fuck you. I love watching <laughs> yeah, the pitchers no, hit. There's no middle ground, right? There is no middle there's ground. There's no apathy there. There's none. It's like people love watching pitchers hit. They love the strategy of it. There's no strategy. Major uh, American League pitchers don't pitch. I think it's like the last I checked it was years ago, but it was like a third or maybe two-thirds of an inning more than a National League starter. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't, and there's there's no strategy saying, okay, I'm going to double switch and move Matt Caesar into center field and move, you know, so-and-so or put put Caesar in right field, bench Hunter Renfro, and then that way the pitcher can bat eighth and I'll get to use him for an extra inning or so. There's that. It's strategy, but it's not really like, it's not ideal. You're not putting your best team on the field, but that's another topic. It, it is another topic, another and time. as Padre fans, I feel like I feel like that ties into us as Padre fans, because if you're a Padre fan, you should really want the DH because of guys it like Josh Naylor. solve so many Because problems. of guys like Fran Mil Reyes. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many options that you can use at DH. It gives you another spot in the lineup that you can plug in a bat, and especially for Josh Naylor. He has DH written all over him. Now, you said you'd be okay with them trading him. I wouldn't. 
I would be kind of mad if they. I mean, I'd I mean, be it bummed depends. out. It depends on the return. Yeah. It depends. Everything always depends on the return. If you're trading him for a one-year stopgap at shortstop, I'm gonna fucking hate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if it. If, but even if the guy's severely underrated, according to local sources. Yeah. It all depends on the return, but I think Naylor's upside offensively now. You got to hold on to him. You got to see what he can do. I feel like if you let go of him this soon, just because you have Hosmer at first, it's a mistake. You have to find a spot for that bat, and that spot is left field. Let's face it. There's no other. There's no other place other than left. And even then, you have a dynamic player like Cordero who is actually holding his own, got hurt, and now you're log jam there again. So, yeah. um, last point on DH. the DH. Yeah, last point <laughs> on the DH before we move into some other stuff uh, in terms of the quote unquote highs. Imagine if these guys, because I mean that's the risk, right? like Cordero and Reyes and Renfro and, and maybe even Naylor, just platoon guys. Right. Imagine running a lineup where you're platooning Cordero and Naylor in a lineup one day, and then you have Renfro and Reyes in a lineup the next day. Yeah. If you have a DH, that makes that feasible. Plus, some of those guys can play first base. Yeah. So, I mean, you have options. So, hopefully... Uh, in the future. But uh, let's keep on moving. The Padres Twitter community, Eric, that's a high because that has grown greatly, yeah. I might add. It's grown. Yeah, we've we've met um, a lot of people. I've met a lot of people from Twitter. I met some people Friday night. Yeah, we went out Friday night, Danny and I, to Beer Fest. We that's even uh, threw down with uh, good old Craig Elston. A yeah. verbal throwdown, but a throwdown nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we talked out our, yeah. a lot of our issues. We talked it out, and unlike <laughs> my marriage, it worked. Yeah, it did. Yeah, so we're on good terms now with the Make the Padres Great Again podcast. At least half of it, as yes. far as we can tell. Um, yeah, dude, we've met a lot of great people from Padres Twitter. Um, Roy and Angela met on Padres Twitter. Now they're engaged. I know. So it gives like, me hope. Yeah, and then you know <laughs> we have the whole um, as as going back to Craig, he hates it, but the dunking on AC. We can come together as one. <laughs> yeah. and shit on AC. <laughs> it's it's amazing, dude. It's it's everything that is right about the Padres is Padres Twitter for me personally. I agree, and I know people. Oh, it gets so volatile. People fight. Um, good old handjob Preller uh, has a, a good take on it in that all families squabble and fight and bicker and argue. So at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want the Padres to win. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's awesome that that community is growing. What I think is even more awesome is that community has welcomed a new Padre with open arms. Phil Hughes yeah. is officially a part of Padres <laughs> Twitter. He's probably been the you greatest mean thing. Noted listener to the 5.5 podcast, Phil Hughes. Yes. And actually, future guest. Yeah, future guest. We actually told Phil, we talked to Phil exclusively on uh, Friday night. We <laughs> yeah. were able to chat with him a little bit uh, by the bullpen, and then as he's coming into the dugout, we were able to talk to him. He did ask us if we were going to get those followers within the decade, and within a couple of days, Eric, you. Uh, you pulled through, so uh, you know what Padres Twitter pulled through. This isn't—it's not me. I used to listen to the Jay Moore Sports Show all the time. He used to say, "It ain't me, it's we." So Padres Twitter, we did it. So finally, finally, finally surpassed the three thousand follower mark just the other day. Uh, Phil Hughes has noticed it. He has recognized it, and he's going to come on the pod. So, um, or so he says. He's kept his word for everything so far. So he says he's going to come on the pod. Um, we, I wanted to ideally have him come on today since it's the all-star break and, uh, he isn't playing in the all-star game. <laughs> I, I wanted to have him on today, but he said, Hey, let's go ahead and, uh, let me have my all-star break. So we'll let him have the break. But Mondays, I feel like, t- uh, Monday is a typical off day. Like there's a lot of days or a lot of Mondays where they're not playing. Like Sundays are getaway days. You have the uh, Monday you're off, and then you know series goes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or the short Tuesday, Wednesday series. He's long story short, he's gonna come on the pod. Now, 
I do have my reservations. So And what's that? Over under one over under one week before the pod that Uncle Wayne sends us a cease and desist letter. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's that's an interesting question because you know there was there was people that kind of told me separately that they're like, hey, you know the Padres won't allow that, right? But does to me, and I could be wrong, but do you think Phil seems like the type that would run it through the Padres before he comes on our pod? That's a great point. I don't know. I mean, they might have like a team, uh, you know, like a, a team, what's that, like guidelines about like going on for interviews and whatnot. Yeah, but what's he going to, what, what does he care? I don't know. Right? He's ask, under contract for he, next year, seven mil. Like, what, are you going to cut me because I went on the podcast of, and let's face it. He's on guaranteed money. I don't think he cares if he gets, I mean, I think he cares if he gets cut, but I don't think he cares that much. He's not losing anything. No. Other than, you know, eating up innings. Yeah. I mean, and, and let's face it, dude. The only reason that the Padres would have a problem with him coming on our podcast is because of the name of my Twitter handle. Yeah. That's the only reason. You should put moderately moderately disappointed Padre fan. Oh, dude. SD fan. So you know how petty and childish I can be, right? Yes. So <laughs> here's I've already thought this through. If the Padres put the squash on the Phil Hughes interview coming on our pod... I and if for whatever reason that doesn't happen, or say if um, all these newfound followers that I have, and thank you to all of you that are listening. I was trying and, to look up uh, the and, thread uh, uh, where we saw him to shout him out, but there's just so many of them. Yeah, you know, uh, India and the Philippines, they love them some miserable Padre fans. So um, if that gets the squash, I am going to change my whole profile and I'm going to make it the most sarcastic thing I'll ever say. Are you going to keep the pro Padres? Nope. Crown oh. Jordan's gone. I'm gonna make something like super sarcastic. Rebrand, huh? Just how when Craig went on Make the Potters Great Again and said, Leave AC alone. Oh, and then layups. And then I turned it into the Ollie Oop for AC. Oh, it's the Ollie Oop. So Excuse basically me. what I what I went around and started doing was saying, Hey Kevin, yeah, you're the best. That's a great article. I never it's thought gonna be about that it from times that ten. Oh great. It's gonna be that times ten. I'm gonna be like rainbows and butterflies, Padre fan. Can't you just do it even if we do get him on just for the entertainment value of no. it? No, because I I like, and I've told people before, I'm never going to change my Twitter handle. I'm not, it's not that I don't want you to know my name. I, you hear my name if you listen to the pod. I'm not yeah, hiding from anything. First 10 seconds. A lot of you guys follow me on Snapchat. A lot of us are friends on Facebook. I'm not hiding from shit. I just, I get followers because it says miserable Padre fan <laughs> and all the crying Jordans and it's, it ties into the bit. But yeah, Phil Hughes has been great. And if he comes on the pod, dude, which I think he will, I'm stoked. Absolutely. And did you see uh, the other day he... Um, Ryan Cohen, part of the Padres Twitter championship. God. He, he asked him, he's like, hey, Phil, you know, I want to go to the game, but tickets are expensive. And Phil Hughes says, hey, 500 retweets and I'll leave you two tickets. Well, dude, he got that in like eight hours. So he ends up uh, leaving tickets for Ryan. And did you see the video of Ryan dancing up on the screen? We were there. No, it, this oh, was the other This the was a different night. game? Yeah, oh, this is okay. the next night. So Ryan, you get Ryan a different jersey. Ryan always goes crazy, dude. He always goes. I'll show you the video later. I saw it. Oh, okay, yeah. so he always I thought goes he was gonna crazy. have an aneurysm. <laughs> yeah, and so this time he has a sign that says Phil Hughes, and he's pointing out there saying, "Hey, thanks." And then he loses his shit. You know, his head's banging and everything. And then his buddy leans over with the sign that says "World Series Bound." <laughs> I fucking died when I saw that, dude. World Series bound. Oh my 2024 god! 2024 World Series bound. Let's, so great. Let's dude. move on to something so else. So great. Isn't so sarcastic. Um, they finally released the focus group uh, results. 
Well, that, uh, I don't know about releasing the results, but they let people know that they're having a focus group. And I mean, they or let them in on the focus groups. They let them in on. They didn't give us exact numbers, um, but they gave us some some ideas of what the results are. But it sounds like yeah. they are moving towards the uh, brown uniforms that a couple of people we know from Padres Twitter actually got to see live and in person who were part of those groups. Yeah, yeah, part of those focus groups. So they it's are... probably the only thing worth this shit AC has written in the <laughs> entire year so far. Yeah, but one thing that we learned from that article, which, to be honest, I think a lot of that article is bullshit. Do you? I do, because of what I was told from the person that was at the focus group. And now he he's just one part of one focus group, and supposedly they did multiple, but if... You think that the results from one focus group is, you know, indicative of the other ones? Mm. I I think that that a lot of that story that AC wrote shockingly is bullshit. But he wrote he said there's one thing for sure, and that's that the orange is out. So the '98 themes of blue and orange done. That breaks my heart. Yeah, it makes me a absolutely breaks my heart. But to that point, the good news is is knowing that now I can jump completely on the bring back the brown. I can jump on it, dude, because. I've always been like, hey, yeah, brown is cool, but I love the 98s. Blue and blue and orange has been my favorite, um, always. But I've always said that if it's between what the blue and white or the brown, it's brown all day. Yeah, brown all damn day. All day. So surprisingly, and going back to that focus group or to that AC article, it seems like it's neck and neck with the brown. The way they worded it, yeah. It, the, the way they worded it, in, in some aspects you could see like the brown was clearly favored, but that it wasn't overwhelming, which I kind of question who they brought in <laughs> for these focus groups. Supposedly they brought in just the most random people. Supposedly. So, uh, I, mean, I mean, they did hire an outside agency yeah. to do this, so maybe they did. Um, but I, I do wonder... I do wonder the quality in which these focus groups are, are comprised of in terms of, of fans. Are they just bringing in random baseball fans? Are they bringing in, you know, obviously if they brought in people from Padres Twitter, we already know what the answer is going to be. Right. But I do wonder, like, do they bring in Phil with his Titleist visor who shows up with his, you know, Hawaiian, work, blue yeah, Hawaiian shirt and his work buddies on a business trip because they got free tickets because the agency they work for has season <laughs> tickets or rents a booth or something. Like, right. That's... That's what I'm curious about. Or did they actually go to, like, you know, I mentioned, like, Phyllis. You know, the, the people that read AC's article. Phyllis, who's been a Padres fan since 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, and has been following the team, you know, just as dedicated as she can on her last breath. Did they bring that fan in there who's been here through it all and is actually a real diehard fan? But, see, if you sit there and you target those people, then you're not going to get true results. Like I, True. I like the idea of just sending out a feeler to anyone, like even non-baseball fans. Until we get fans. stuck with the whites again. Well, <laughs> the I, blue and the whites. No, I don't see how any person could logically say I love those jerseys. But according to what AC's then, writing, it was insinuated that yeah. it was pretty close to people actually saying that. At least one group. It sounded like three of the four groups preferred. I think it was four groups preferred the brown and yellow, and that one group. As much as those three groups prefer the brown and yellow, preferred the blue and white. Again, I could have it completely wrong. And weren't I'm, they saying like, "Oh, the blue pops, the blue, the it blue and pops white pops when you put another color on it"? <laughs> oh God, it, dude! See, it pops when you put orange on it. Yeah. Like that's why I like the Mets uniforms because it has some color. And the Cubs have red. Uh, who else wears? But Minnesota Twins wear blue, but they put some red in there. Like, right. I've said this before. Like the the whenever the Padres wear their um their star their stars and stripes uniforms. 
if you just got rid of the stars, that actually looked nice. That actually looks like some decent uniforms because you put a color in there. Blue and white by itself does not work. No, it is boring as shit. Yeah, it is. It is super boring. So it that yeah, we are putting that in the good in the good column. The fact that it kind of seems like now whether or not they use these results of the focus group or if they whoops. We lost him. Sorry. The, the idea that we'll uh, Fowler was chuckling like, oh my goodness. I wonder if he's like, I can't believe they really like those shit brown uniforms. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, um, we, we're going to have Conniff in uh, in just a few minutes here. So, um, I think we'll go we'll go one more positive. Um, and I'm sure that we missed a couple. But, dude, it's really hard to find positives so far um, in this season because of all the lows that we're going to get to afterwards. But um, we'll talk to Conniff about the uh, Futures game, about being there and what he saw. Uh, but the g- kind of going back to like the whole Padres Twitter, I mean, we have the prospects. That speaks for himself. Like The guys like uh, Chris Paddock were like, how is he going to come back from Tommy John? He just has been lighting <laughs> the world on fire. Beat. Yeah, I mean, that all speaks for itself. But then you have you know the Padres Twitter. So we talked about the people on Padres Twitter. There's the new... The new podcasts that are out there. You got God, dude. Like I can. Uh, Los Hills, Bluntly Los Padres are somewhat new. Bluntly Padres, Hell's Bells, Working, working the count. count. There's there's a lot of Padre it, podcasts. Uh, it's Donza, it's the Friars, Friars on, the farm. on the Farm with those two. Like it's um it, it's it's kind of getting to the point where I mean no no offense to anyone that runs a Padre podcast, but zero chance I can listen to all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have to cut one podcast. I'll probably never listen to again. And I mean. It's just there's zero chance I'm going to be able to listen to all of them. So, um, but that is a podcast has zero chance of you listening to it. I don't know. I just there's some I just can't keep up with. Um, They have to be a lot more pottery related to keep my interest. Uh Because if you if if they kind of just go off talking about other things other than the pod race, you know, zero chance I'm going to keep listening to that. Maybe we'll do a giveaway if you can guess what uh, (laughs) podcast we have uh, zero chance of listening to. We'll figure something out. I'm just uh, fucking around, but yeah, dude, um, it's it's. it's it's been fun. It's been fun because of Padres Twitter. So I just want to say again, Padres Twitter. I love you guys. Dude. Thank God the- <laughs> for Padres Twitter because I don't think we could get through the season. Yeah, Padres Twitter is is fucking great. So I we do appreciate that. Uh, again, we're gonna stay active. I remember when I had to beg you to get on the Twitter. I had to beg you, dude. I'm like, come on, please, please get on there. But yeah. um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Let me let me tell you a, a couple bits that are my new bits uh, before we bring John in. So first one, watching the games and everything is great. I watch as many games as I can. I'm on, I usually tune my wife completely out, and I'm on Twitter the whole time. And so she kind of gets to a point where she, I mean, she, I don't want to say she tolerates baseball because it sounds like she doesn't like it, but she, she gets was at the, the game the other day, wasn't she? Yeah, I know, but like she understands what it means to me, so she's just she will never come out and say like, no, don't watch it. But she loves. There's nothing that she eats up more than. When it's just her and I, and we're watching Netflix, or we go to the beach, or we walk, you know, walk the boardwalk, or walk our dog around, our parasite around. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing she loves more than that. So here's my new bit, and I'll say it before she comes home. My new bit is when I know there's an off day, I'll tell her like, you know what? I can't stand the Padres. I'll go on a little rant, and then she'll be like, oh, what? What's going on with the Padres? And I'm like, they're just so frustrating. Like I can't even, you know, I can't watch them. You know what? It's you and me tonight. It's you and me tonight. God, we're gonna. <laughs> We're going to hang out, you know, pick a show on Netflix, whatever you want to watch, I'm all about it. You know, it's tonight is me and you. And I'm I will post only do the schedule that. on your fridge. I will only do that on off days. It. I'll only do that on off days and she has no idea. It's so great. Uh. It, it kind of goes back to the uh, adult league, the Sunday Sunday league chat is um so I play in the spring, summer, 
and the Fall League. And so I told her, I said, all right, I'll compromise. We'll have Sundays together during the summer. I'll skip the summer season. It's going to be hard for me, but I'll skip the summer season just for you. She doesn't know that our team doesn't normally play the summers. (laughs) She doesn't know that it's a five-game season. But I tell her that I skipped the summer for her. So that's kind of a side note. So that's my new bit. Um, <sighs> also, another bit of mine, hang with me. This is me asking you for a favorite Padres Twitter. I'm starting, I'm going to pick it back up on Monday. But I threw the first one out there on Saturday. What I want to do, once a day, in the morning, I'm going to tweet out, Tyson Ross has been traded. I'm going to say return is unknown at this time. But Tyson Ross has been traded. I'll let you guys know when I Terms hear Terms agreed upon. And the reason why I want to do that is my goal is to get one of the guys like Heyman or Rosenthal or Morosi or, you know, one of those guys to report the trade. And then I want you guys to say, hey, miserable Padre fan had it first. So I want to have one of them have to say at miserable SD fan first. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my new thing. I threw it out on Monday, dude. So many people or uh, Saturday. So many people are hopping into my DMs. They're like, oh, what? Because I always talk about you know we have the same barber everyone's hopping my dms hey what's going on did he really get traded no way no way no he didn't get traded i'm never gonna i'm gonna know i'll find out as soon as you guys find out they got traded (laughs) but starting on monday every morning as soon as i wake up i'm gonna post it out there tyson ross has been traded as if it's a fact and then when the day's over if he's not traded i'm gonna go ahead and just delete the tweet so stick with me padres twitter but um yeah, the the highs of the highs, that's about it. As you can tell, we're very stretching for highs because there's not many of them, but John Conniff has a few. So, um, again, he was there at the game in D.C. for the Futures game. Very exciting game. A lot more exciting than the Padres uh, getting, uh, you know, rocked by the Cubs. But we're going to bring in John Conniff to hear what he had to say about the Futures game. Bing, 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 bing. All right, and we are back with the overlord of Matt Fryers, John Conniff. Of course, you can follow them at Matt Fryers on Twitter and MattFryers.com. Welcome back, John. Hey, thanks for having me, guys, as always. Always a lot of fun. Yeah, we're uh, we're really excited to have you on because we were quite jealous over this uh, last weekend on Sunday. You were out there in D.C. for the Futures game. You got to see three guys, uh, two from the world team, which would be Tatis and Urias, up the middle combo for years to come, and then one from the USA side in Buddy Reed. Uh, kind of talk us over, like, how did it go? Um, wh- what was it like being there in person for that? You know, with each show we do, man, your guys' pronunciation of Urias is just getting better and better. I mean, you guys got it down. I'm <laughs> We're impressed. We're working on it. Yeah. We're working on it. I Thank am you. Mexican. <laughs> yeah. It didn't show in the first couple episodes, Danny. No offense, no, because no, you, you were much, much better. The only Spanish I speak is when I order Mexican food. That's about as far as it gets. Yeah. Um, back to your question. Yeah, they were, they were great. They were, they were a lot of fun to talk to. You know, I went and talked to, uh, Urias first and, uh, we were talking about kind of some of the adjustments he made. Cause I think when I talked to you, uh, last time we were talking, I was in San Antonio and we we're talking about Philip Wellman said, and, you know, I think Urias was impressed that I, Wellman told me his nickname for him, which is Pallone Baldy. <laughs> so... <laughs> He, uh, you know, I think I said before he was like drifting too much over the plate. They kind of got him going a little more forward, so he's getting more of the straight fastball in. And yeah, I mean, Louis was fun. Town about how happy he was here, and he thought AAA was a little tougher because he said pitchers play with you more. I mean, they go soft, they go hard, in and out. But you know, he's really been hitting well recently. And then um, I got to chat with uh, Fernando Tatis again, which is always a lot of fun because he's just such a 
you know, I think it's the lesson. He's just such a mellow guy. He's like someone who's hanging around Cardiff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's kind of fun. And he just kind of goes. And the only time he got a little excited was, and you can see it on our site was, I thought, you know, just for the final question, I'd ask him about, you know, the infamous Barry Bloom tweet. Oh, because, boy. yeah, because I would have been an ass still, <laughs> you know, at my age. And probably you guys would too. And he had that really funny thing and he kind of came back at it. And I've interviewed him about, about five or six times. And that's the first time he saw just a slight, a real slight bit of an edge to his voice. And he said, you know, he doesn't pay that much attention to what people say about me, especially writers. But uh, he wanted to show this guy that he wasn't worried. And he said, the game's tough. and uh, But I know what I'm talking about. There's ups and downs. I know who I am and I know what I can do. And, you know, he's backed it up. I mean, he's he's like that. He's a very nice person, but he is very confident in his abilities. And he should be. I mean, he oh, was one right. of the stars of the game yesterday. I know uh, you got a chance to speak to a couple of uh, scouting reps, which we'll get into, but mm-hmm. how impressive. I mean, I think Buddy Reed made a really nice catch to rob him. I will say that. It was an excellent catch um, that got uh, hijacked by an interview. But um, overall, Tatis was impressive yesterday. 91-mile-an-hour fastball from third base. Made a couple nice plays defensively. Turned on a Hunter Green fastball. I mean, how, yeah. how impressed were you walking away? I, mean, I know you just saw him, but I mean – do you get more and more impressed with the uh, the young man and his passion for the game every time you see him? <laughs> oh, passion bleeds through his eyes. You can tell that. Um, no, I mean, the thing about the fastball, which was impressive, was, you know, Wellman made a point that the strike in San Antonio, that the strikeouts usually occur in about the first at bat. Hmm. Once he gets a chance to see someone and do that, you know, He's got an idea what he's doing. And with uh, Green, it was a two-and-two count. And you could just see him clocking the fastball. And one thing I think in spring training, Jim Callis told us about Hunter Green, which is kind of interesting, is that, you know, he throws that hard, but his secondary stuff is not that good. And when you watch it, it's, you know, guys get a really good look at it. And, I mean, he got hit pretty hard. And I know you guys still play, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine that these guys are so good. If they see something that's about over 100 and relatively straight, they can turn on it. And Tatis just pulled that thing. It was a line shot right into left field. And then the next at bat, he hit one. He hit one at about 95 on the corner when he just sent that to right field. Oh, yeah. And the thing about Tatis I think is interesting is, too, is when people get to the double A AA and triple A level, I mean, this has kind of been pointed out, you can't cover the whole plate. You know, one hitting coach said the plate's 18 inches wide, the sweet spot's about 12. So you either look middle, middle in, or middle, middle out. And you see Fernando, and I mean, he's always looking middle and middle out. You know, so some guy sits there, well, I'm going to throw my fastball, my 95-mile-per-hour fastball, or 100 in this case, inside because he's not going to catch up with it. You know, and he does. Every, I mean, I saw him in Fort Wayne last year. He opened the game. Guy threw him something 96 on the inside part of the plate. He hit one of the furthest home runs in, you know, <laughs> in Parkview Field history. He crushed that thing. Is that the one they hit off the uh, wall out in left center field behind the pavilion? No, no that was the other one. That was one this dead center he hit. That was <laughs> that was later in the year he crushed uh, one of those. I forgot he has so many. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he does. I mean, the thing is, he can get the barrel of the bat on the ball. It's incredible. And, uh, you know, he made a couple of nice plays defensively, stole a base. And after the game, it was fun because I went in and talked to Buddy Reed. And, 
you know, he said, because Reed just missed a home run too, a switch hitter from the right side. And he said, yeah, you know, I had to go and I had to make sure I take one, took one back, you know, since I, I just missed it. And I said, well, if you had to take one back, did, is, were you really happy it was against Tatis? He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're going to be talking about that for um, some bus trips. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so that's for sure. Humor. Yeah, and they're new yeah. teammates now. They're new teammates now. Right. That makes it even better. It kind of reminded me back in the uh, World Baseball Classic when Jones robbed Machado. I mean, right. on a on – a, smaller stage obviously but mm-hmm. um one thing that i wanted to ask because you you said you're um up there close and what i think going back to that tatis at bat off of hunter green what was most impressive for me is the fact that on a one-two pitch green dropped in a pretty nice slider yeah, low in the slider. zone and tatis was just able to spit on it you know just let yep. it go for a ball and then the next pitch is 103 inside and just you know boom just boom. crushes it in left field so that was impressive but um, what I want to ask you is uh, with Urias. Now, I kind of want to touch on what you said, not this last time, but the time before that we, that we had you on in regards to like mm-hmm. his uh, day and night splits. Have you noticed is that improving or is it because I know he's hitting better? Um, is there anything else that has come of that? Because I was kind of curious ever since you mentioned it. You know, I think he's generally improved. The biggest thing from what I understand, and it's, I haven't been there in April, so I'm hearing this stuff. You know, you know, from pretty good, uh, you know, from the Padres. I'm, a, I'll go sources there, man. I'll be a real right. important human being for a minute. <laughs> is, uh, just, yeah. just what uh, you're at liberty to discuss. Well, you know, of course, because they always share medical records with me when I'm just hanging out in the clubhouse. What do you think of this, John? Um, but um, yeah, he's he's actually been much better. He's at he's at 251 at night games, 377. The biggest thing is, I think, what I said before, it was a stride. Because, you know, he always would just, you know, let the inside pitch go and really hit outside over the plate. But I on the I was on Darren's show today and I said, I hope what fans realize is, you know, I, I like Luis Arias as a player. I think he's really good. I think he's really underrated as how good he is defensively. You know, he's got he's a second baseman with very good range. He's got a shortstop's arm there. He's got a really good idea of the strike zone. He can put the barrel, the bat on the ball. But, you know, as much as all of us want to, this is not Jose Altuve. I mean, he is not going to be hitting like 30 bombs. I think he's a really good, you know, complimentary player, a player that can be there for a while. But at least for me, when I look at the top prospects, you know, I to me there's a big separation between Tatis and Gore and then, then Louis. And, you know, that's not a knock on him. I think he's a very good player. Now, do you think, because I've, I've read reports that, you know, if you look at, like, uh, exit velocity, I know that's usually mm-hmm. Danny's realm, but when you right. look at that, if you look at the line drive rate and the barrel rate for a guy like Urias, he's he's to the point to where he's hitting the ball hard enough, he's hitting line drives, he's smoking them, to where the power might come. Like, I'm starting to see people more in what I'm reading on him that the power might actually show up as a later tool. Do you think he hits for power? Do you think he should adjust the swing a little bit to put some launch angle into it? Or is he just fine? If it's if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, there's a couple things. That's a good question. That's, there you go. That's a great question, right? Oh, um, what an there honor. you go. <laughs> no, there's. I think one thing that guys have talked about is when he faces more velocity because of his really high skill putting the barrel, you know, on the ball. You might see a few balls travel a little bit further. As far as they're trying to launch angle and trying to get him to do more things, I think that's a, a little bit of what kind of screwed him up in El Paso was I think they were kind of hoping for a little bit more power and trying to make him play shortstop a few too many times instead of just realizing like, 
look, this is who the guy is. I think you said it on one of the podcasts it was on. It's like, you know, if I get a second baseman with a high on base percentage and plus defense, I'm I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's I think that's what he is. And I think you know he'll he's like the old style what a classic number two hitter is. He can hit the ball to right really well. I think they're going to really go at him inside, so there might be some, you know, a bit of a, a slump or something at the beginning. Then you'll have you can pick which member of Padres Twitter will sit there and just flip out over it, like uh, <laughs> we saw in April with Tatis. Um, but yeah, I generally think he's going to be a pretty good player. You know, Reed is the guy that was kind of really shocking to me about how well he, he's done. You know, I keep waiting for him to stop hitting. Like, in to start the season, it was like, yeah, he's off to a great start, but that BABIP is really high. So I keep waiting for him to kind of fall off a cliff, but it's just not happening, man. He's he's still tearing the cover off the ball. It's crazy. No, and one, one person went was asking us on Twitter. It wasn't a mean thing, but he's saying, you know, nobody really saw this coming, and that, you know, it shows blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well... Of course, nobody saw this coming. I mean, he had 275 in college. He had he had 230 in Fort Wayne. Hit 240 in Tri Cities. I mean, everyone could always see him. Like, you know, if, if God was going to make a center fielder, this is kind of what he'd look like. I mean, he's six four. I mean, he's about 210, 215. Can really run. Has a good arm. You know, we didn't think he could make contact. I mean, it's kind of like some people. I think have gotten sick of. All of us have met Fires talking about, you know, how much, you know, we like Michael Geddes. I mean, he can do all this stuff. He's just not consistent. And, I mean, they're kind of the same players. Only Buddy was able to make contact this year. And when he does that, you know, a lot of good things happen. Sure. And I think because I've been a pretty big uh, – I've been pretty down on Buddy Reed. Even when they drafted him, I knew there was a lot of raw talent, but maybe not uh, as refined. Um, and I, I kind of likened him to Will Venable, thinking, like, that's probably his ceiling, a Will Venable type, maybe with better defense. Um, and even then, I'm still hesitant to jump on the uh, the buddy system, so to speak, because I think A is going to be a pretty big test for him. Would you, would you agree, oh, agree. A is going to be the, the make or break for him as a legitimate prospect going forward? Well, he's going to get a lot of opportunities to make or break. I mean, he's, you know, if he struggles this year, you know, at double A, they'll say, which is true, like, hey, that's fine. You know, he made the jump. We'll work with him in off season, and we'll start him out there again because, you know, the talent is just too much. I mean, I got the I got his numbers in front of me. His junior at Florida, he hit 262, 362, 395. Ugh. I mean, that that's just compared to what, you know, the numbers guys put up in college, it's not big. You know, at last year at Fort Wayne, he had 234, had a 290 on base percentage and 396. So, you know, none of us, not one of us, had him anywhere close to a top 30, which, you know, just based on his track record, I mean, you can kind of understand it. We all thought he was, a, if things click, but I mean, he, the Padres had talked about, they, they kind of widened him out on both sides, got him these legs more. Um, you know, Buddy mentioned a couple other things he was doing in Australia in winter ball, and he came back. He started hot, and one thing you can see when I, you know I've talked to him in the past two years is he just seems to have a lot more confidence. He just seems like he's actually enjoying himself. He he didn't seem that way last year in Fort Wayne. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean we could see that because we got to sit in with uh, Kevin 
on his interview right. with uh, Buddy Reed. You can see that there's a, a level of swagger. We saw yesterday when he made that catch against Tatis. I mean, he was he was pumped oh, to do yeah. that. Um, now, John, of course, being at the game, being the big shot in D.C. that you are running the yeah. joint, um, you were exactly. able to sit down with some reps from uh, from both Baseball America and, of course, ESPN. Um, talking with them, spending a lot of the game with them, what what were their takeaways from what they saw from the uh, the Padres contingent at the uh, Futures game? Oh, I think J.J. Cooper, the editor of Baseball America, I mean, he would become a member of the Tatis family if he could. I mean, he's, <laughs> he, 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 I mean, he'd think that was funny. I mean, yeah, he absolutely loves Fernando Tatis. He's a huge uh, fan of the Padres. When we, when David, Jay, and I were back there at uh, at spring training, he was just running around from field to field in the backfields, just happy as anything. And then from ESPN, there was Keith Law out there who, you know, was nice enough to give me an interview about – month ago and he was talking about the different guys he was shocked at how well reed was playing too and uh you know he said like to see more of him he's always been a big race fan and he you know he's another guy who likes tatis and that was kind of the thing that you know not to pick on on barry too much is you know when he said he has a so-so arm i mean he's been voted as having one of the best arms in the league i mean <laughs> texas lake and, and our fastball to first base yesterday yeah yeah no he's not throwing <laughs> lollipops over there and you know mike sager who I've, we're pretty uh, decent friends with a play-by-play man from san antonio said this for 28 years and he said tatis is the best shortstop he, he's ever seen wow and and believe me mike um Mike can be a little salty on if things aren't going that well. So for him to say that, that's not just some homer, you know, fluffing the team or something like that. You know, he's seen Jeter, Miguel Tejada, a whole bunch of guys, which is also on there in our notes column on uh, to pimp my side a little bit on Mad Fridge. You can read that there, too. <laughs> oh, that's great. And that's definitely high praise coming from a Dodger fan. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely good. So, you know, as you were there yesterday and before we let you go, John, uh, if I had in Believe me, I know it's a complete guess, but knowing that obviously they don't like to repeat having guys, they like to show other guys. If you had to take a wild guess today, being you know mm-hmm. mid July 2018, who do you think they send next year? Oh, that, that would be tough. I think you know a guy. Uh, well, maybe the guy that you know Danny wants to adopt, Tirso. Yes, Tornelis, that's exactly who I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> yeah, Tirso is someone that. Every single scout just is in love with his swing and how hard he's worked. You know, Jason Rosario is someone to look at. And then, of course, you know, Mackenzie Gore. And Mackenzie had a really good night um, the other night. He's starting to come on. And I think you guys might see him at Lake Elsinore because I think when I talked about where he would be um, this year, that was assuming he was going to be healthy the whole year. And, you know, he had the blister issue. So I think he's at Fort Wayne for the rest of the year. You know, I can see them starting McKenzie off at Lake Elsinore next year and then, you know, promoting him up to uh, hopefully the new Amarillo Sod Poodles or uh, whatever they might be named. And... <laughs> oh, you know what? Well, before I go, I wanted to make sure I, I, I thank Eric. That was a great tweet promoting uh, the missions hat, and we really appreciate that. And I'm sure the, the missions do too. And it shows you how, how worthwhile it is to use professional hat models. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm really going to try it, man. I'm, I'm going to wear the, the missions hat uh, all around town and hope that I hit like Tatis because I got a championship game coming up in a couple weeks, so we'll see how that goes. There, 
There you go. Good luck, man. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate that. We always appreciate you coming on, John. Again, find him at Madfriars, uh, madfriars.com. Make sure you subscribe. It's a cup of coffee a month, like five bucks. Just drop it one day uh, going to Madfriars so you can get this kind of insight, on-site coverage at the Futures game. Uh, John, thanks so much again for your time. Have a great rest of your night. Hey, you too. Thanks for having me again, guys. Thanks, right. John. All right, man. So that was great. Always always good times with Conniff. Again, he always always brings the fire. Indeed uh, he does. does. He's always John game, Conniff. and it's like 9 o'clock where he's at. So it's almost uh, Leisure Friars bedtime where he's at. Past it, yeah, yeah. for sure. And he was, able to, he was able to bring it again with uh, a lot of positives. So being the doom and gloom that I am, going <laughs> from all that positive in the beginning, Padres Twitter, all that good stuff, uh, great, great insight in the Futures game from John. Let's get into the negatives. And, and there's, there's a lot. A lot of them. Let's kind of try to summer. Let, we'll, we'll sum it up. We'll take, I don't want to go too long on these stupid podcasts. So if we had about 20 minutes to sum up the negatives in here, where do we start? So let's start with the record because I there was a very brief period of time, probably about a month, I think from like mid-May to like, what, the end of June-ish, I guess, when this team was playing... Pretty well. Now, again, they played against the Reds a couple of times, the Marlins a couple of times, and they happened to fluke their way against the Braves, and I think even the Cardinals once. But there was a time where people were like, oh, this team is fun to watch. This team is like, wow, we're seeing progress because they're winning more. Well, uh, that uh, that didn't hold at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Padres are currently 40-59. and 59. Record-wise, they're the worst team in the National League. Uh, they have the fourth-worst winning percentage in Major League Baseball. And uh, they're 8-22 and 22 in their last 30, per baseball reference. They have absolutely shit the bed after fluking their way to a halfway decent month. Yeah, which, I mean, at the end of the day, looking at it realistically, it's a good thing, right? right? I mean, for purely for draft position. And that is one thing that I've noticed. Not Like Padres Twitter, we're not really on the tank train anymore. I feel like signing Hosmer has made it to where we don't really... We're not like, hey, guys, let's lose. I, I don't know if it's directly tied into us having Hosmer or what, but I've, I've noticed that it's not as tank-heavy this year. I think signing Hosmer gave the impression that ownership was done with the tank. It's like, okay, we tanked one time, and now we're going to try to move towards um, creating and forcing a window of opportunity. And I think the Hosmer move, you know, first was obviously the extension of Myers. Um, the Hosmer move... The Galvis move to a point, you know, trying to go. Okay, let's get an established player here. Um, I think, I think it 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 didn't appear like ownership was on board with tanking anymore, and I don't think they are. I think they got Hosmer, and I think they went out and got Galvis because they thought, hey, we're probably gonna be a little bit better this year. Um, and I mean, in some aspects, there has been some improvement, but the reality is that when you look at the roster, the way the roster is constructed, they were always gonna be bad. And I've said this before. I don't know if it's two or three episodes before, but I've said this, you know, several times now. You can't look at a win-loss record and call that progress because most of the team is not going to be here on the next good Padres team. The reality is the only guy in the infield that will probably be here is Hosmer, and that's only because he's guaranteed money. And Margot and Myers, those are the only three guys who I have any faith in saying when the next Padres team is good, those three guys will be on the team. There's nobody in the starting rotation or on the pitching staff that I think may or may not be here. Strom maybe, but you don't know. Right. So you can't look at win-loss record and say, oh, well, they're, they're improving. Because you look at it now, number one, you might look a little foolish because now they look awful, right? Like, you know, I think uh, this time last, last year they had like an 84-team weighted runs created plus. At some point when they were getting better, they progressed to like 86 or 87, I read in some article. And it's like, 
that's a moderate improvement. That doesn't it doesn't mean anything, especially because the guys contributing to that aren't going to be here. So that's I think that's more so how it is. It's like the way that they're losing, right? It's just the way that they're losing the games and the guys who they're losing with. Yeah. It doesn't lead us to the point to where we're going to get better soon. No. And only the only way it does that is those guys who we're losing with now aren't going to be here. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're not going through the. Uh, you know the ups and downs of a rookie year of some guy that just came up from yeah, like Triple Manny a. Margot. Manuel Margot is a prime example, right? We're not living and dying with Margot going, you know, through the peaks and valleys. We're we're going through the Perellas and the Galvis and the Villanuevas of the world, and you know the the Matt Caesars and the Jankowskis. You know those guys all have places on major league teams, but they're not going to be here in the future. So I'm not surprised at all that they're this bad. I mean, I mentioned it. I think I had a Twitter thread with Italia going on sometime early in the season. Um, that, oh, you know, it'd be pretty hard for them to get in the top five. And I'm thinking, ah, you know, if they start trading off the guys that are doing good, you know, that aren't doing that great right now, like Hand and Ross, they they have a legitimate shot at top five. Right now, they're four. Okay, so they're four right now. They're top, they're the top, they're the fourth worst team. Worst team in the National League. Worst team in the National League, fourth worst in Major League Baseball. Wow. So that's like when and we're I don't think they're there. catching the Royals or the, the Orioles. They might catch the White Sox maybe, but I doubt it. Yeah, so I mean that's the thing. Like when we're sitting there, dude, and we're like, oof, <laughs> the Reds. Or, you know, like fill in the blank. Uh, hey, the Reds hired former Padres manager Jim Riggleman, and they've turned it around. <laughs> yeah, if it's like, oof, they're the They're in the Reds. wild card hunt, Eric. It's like, oof, the, uh, I'm trying to think of, name another terrible National League team. Um, oh, geez, there's not... I mean, there's actually legitimate races. Is there any other team that... The Pirates aren't that good. Yeah, or if it's like, oof, the Giants. Like the Mets. Year or whatever. The Mets are pretty... Oh, the Mets, <laughs> and they're so old. We're worse than all of them. <laughs> we are worse than all of them. And, the Giants? The Giants aren't very good? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just that, dude. So kind of the way they got started, right, is um, it, might, it was in April. It was like one of the first couple weeks of the season. Pop-up game. You remember Pop-Up? Oh, game, yes. That game in, uh, Indeed, I do. In actually, at, our, at my famed uncle's uh, birthday party is when it happened. Yeah, dude. It was They lost on a 15-foot walk-off pop fly that just happened to drop. <laughs> behind Hosmer. Behind Hosmer. Yes, it did drop behind Hosmer. But to revisit that, I will go to the grave saying that that's A.J. Ellis' fault. That's completely his fault. I can see that. Because I didn't see the play originally. So I, was, I, I told you, I was like, I, I personally feel it's Hosmer's ball. I mean, he was there and he overran it. But then going back and saying, he still should have caught it. But you're absolutely right. He's playing deep behind the bag and the ball goes 15 feet up the line. AJ Ellis didn't even move. Yeah. So he I, didn't move. He but was at the same standing time, I on could, home plate. I could tell you, well, you know. That was Hosmer. Or, he had to me, that was AJ Ellis' ball. He also had to cover the plate. I could argue that, you know, the, you're not going to put the catcher up there to tag the runner or the, the pitcher up there to tag the runner out. So why Ellis has you, to cover. Why are you covering home plate on a ball hit 100 feet in the air? I don't know. And you 10 feet AJ in Ellis front that, Assuming we don't trade him at his peak value. There's no need. Weighted runs created There's plus There's no for need for him to be covering home plate right there. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It was a bad play nonetheless, regardless of who should have done what. It was a. It was an awful play, and it's typical LOL Padres. Yeah. <laughs> of course the fucking Padres would lose. so Padres. Yeah. Of course they'd lose on a pop-up that should have been a routine play. Yeah, you have that. Uh, Lamette went down. I think that's one of the that's one of the worst things, yeah. honestly, this year. is the 20-5 to five loss. Yeah, there's the 20. Yeah, that was the other day. But Lamette going down, that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit, is that Lamette's one of the guys, right, who you want to hang your hat on for the future. He's, I think he can be a very, I don't want to say very big, but a solid piece to the next 
great Padres team. As do I. I think he's more of a bullpen piece, really. Even if he's a bullpen yeah. piece. He can be a very effective bullpen Absol- piece. Oh, absolutely. Or, or build his value into an effective trade piece mm-hmm. that gets moved from the bullpen. Now, well, not now. The fact that he went down, and remember, oh, man, you know, Padres, they don't want to talk about it. You know, they're, they're not going to do an MRI. <laughs> they they're going to hold off. They're deductible to pay the MRI. They're going to hold off on the MRI. You know what? All right, we'll get an MRI. Oh, shit, Tommy John. <laughs> So, I feel like him going down is so disappointing, dude. Because, sure, you have Lauer and Lucchese, and Lauer looked great against the Dodgers. God, he looked great against the Dodgers. No, no, no. You're thinking of the wrong the wrong Lauer. <laughs> I don't think that Lauer looked great. Oh, you're right. This it was last the Dodgers. Start. Yeah, yeah. You're right. But then the Cubs, this oh, yeah. on Sunday, I got the, uh, he got, I got smoked. The, uh, the Royal Blues and Reds mixed up there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then this Sunday he got smoked. And then Lucchese, he's, been, he's had a couple bad starts. Like the one in... Uh, in Oakland, or when he faced the A's in San Diego, yeah. I'll be honest Awful. with Lucchese. Like he has his command needs to get better. He, the thing, and I said this before. Everybody's like, man, like Lucchese's jumping over Quantrill. He very well may because he's already there, and, and we've already talking about Quantrill taking a step back and struggling. But Lucchese, I can see why he is considered to be a at best fourth starter, maybe a fifth starter, and. And people said this on Twitter. Why isn't Andy Green leaving him out there? He gets fucking shellacked his third time through the order. Yeah. And people say, well, that's got to be a skill, right? I don't think it's a skill. I think that he's he's able to smoke and mirror his way through, A, poor pitch location, and B, um, you know, a lack of command because he has that weird herky-jerky hard-to-time delivery. He doesn't throw hard enough, and he does stay away from the middle of the plate long enough. But I think by the time the third time, uh, third time through the order comes around, I think guys have already, I mean, these are professional athletes. I think they've already figured it out, and by that time, he's getting crushed. And he does not locate at all. Yeah, no, I mean, he really does He's like the opposite of what Lauer had been up through that Cubs start. I want to say it was from, and, and forgive me for not knowing exactly who it was from, but I, I want to say it was from The Athletic. Because mainly, well, I'm sure it was either The Athletic or Mad Friars. I'll say The Athletic, because if I'm reading anything, it's from The Athletic or Mad Friars. But... Um, they had Lucchese and his kind of his command and his like his um, what am I trying to say? His command and basically his command was per cast. Was it per stat cast? I believe he misses so. a lot. Yeah, he misses like his a lot. His accuracy, data. yeah, it's not it's not there. And mm-hmm. you know, it's it's smoke and mirrors. I mean, that's what it. That's what they scouted have. Like he's you know he's he's, he's herky jerky. Very. He's very deceptive. It's smoke. You and can mirrors. only deceive and smoke and mirrors for so long. Yeah. It's kind of like going back to what Conniff said about Tatis. First time through, yeah, he might strike out, but then he's got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like after so long, and then if you keep facing these same guys over and over, they're gonna have a book on you. And I mean, well, we saw it last year when he got promoted to Double A because he carved up single A. Oh yeah. And then he went to Double A, and it wasn't. Wasn't as good. I mean, at first, yeah, you know, and then and wasn't as good, and then made the adjustments, pitched really well, earned the spot this year, and now the scouting reports are getting out on him. I still think he's going to be a viable, a five viable four or five starter, just like I think Lauer is going to be a viable four or five starter. But I think the thing that bums us out about Lamette is that he was easily of those three guys was easily um, the highest upside of the three because yeah. he's got a plus fastball, a wipeout slider. All I don't know why the hell they were showing him a curveball. I don't think that's going to help him against lefties. I would have preferred the changeup. But 
you could see him if he could get that third pitch to get the lefties out, like really develop into a really good, solid number three starter. Like I think Tyson Ross before he had uh, thoracic outlet uh, syndrome. Like I feel like that's what Lamette could be, but at a younger age with a longer peak. Yeah. Um, and now he's hurt. I mean, it doesn't mean he can't be anyways, but he just lost a year of development, and now he's hurt. It kind of led us into seeing a few Johnny Holstaff games. Yeah. Right. So bullpen games, and that. Because they don't have any I, I didn't starters. Like that. In the, I didn't. I, I didn't like those bullpen games. I like the idea of it, but I. I don't really care to watch our bullpen throw a complete a complete nine inning game. Here's why I liked it strictly because it gave Matt Strom, who I liked as a sleeper uh, when they got him from KC, and then of course coming into the year, it gave him an opportunity to start where he's done really well. I think he's at a point where he's been stretched out enough to hopefully maybe like honestly, Perdomo still sucks. So move Perdomo to the bullpen and give Strom a chance to start. Or yeah, that could be backpack start. That could be something. another low too, because when Perdomo went down, it was like, man, we need him back because we want to see the progression of him. But then, like, he, he pitched really well when he was down, and then yeah, he, just, he pitched very well in AAA, and that's that's kind of a rare feat, especially for him. And we're like, oh man, maybe he finally figured it out. Let's see when he comes up. And then he's the exact same guy. Yeah. Like it's man, we wanted Perdomo back so bad, and we then did. he comes back, and it's just you know what it is. We're, spotty command. He's getting hit. He's leaving the ball up. Much like my dating life, we are so thirsty for just any semblance of hope that we hang our hats on guys who are probably at best, you know, middling or moderate prospects. Fringe right? major leaguers. Yes, fringe major leaguers. Take a drink, Carlos R. Uh, congrats <laughs> on joining the Keto family, by the way. Yeah. But I, I feel like we see Perdomo doing really well, and we're like, okay, we really want this guy to come up. Same thing with Laura Casey, right? You hang your hats on guys who just really are could be at the most solid, you know, major league players. I don't think they're fringe major leaguers. I think they're major leaguers, but I think they're fringe from the standpoint of like starters, right? Like of those three, I wouldn't be shocked if only one of them between Perdomo, uh, Lauer and Lucchese actually panned out. I actually have more faith in Lauer just because of the uptick in velocity and because he does do a better job moving the ball in and out, at least based on the eye test. I have no idea, but I do think Lauer might end up being a little bit better than Lucchese in the long run. Um, but at the same time, who the hell knows? Because really, the ceilings of those three guys are not really that much different. Perdomo's obviously the worst of the three to this point, but I, I think that's just what it comes down to. We're so thirsty and starved for like real talent, and we know it's coming, that we want to jump on the guys that we think might have it. And that's what makes the Lamette injury such a big low, is that he was the one guy we could look at and see, like, I can see big potential out of this guy. And now he's gone. Yeah. Exactly. So and, uh, I mean, Kaz, uh, Kaz, Makita. I was I was really excited when we first came. I was came more in. intrigued by Makita well, than anything, dude. And then I watched him in spring training, and then the first game there, I was like, man, this can be fun, dude. This can be fun watching him for and the then, other team. Talk about deception and smoke and mirrors not working. Good God, dude. Now it's just like when Makita comes in, it's like oh, I'm nope. gonna go take a piss. This is over. Let me go. Let He's me go tell my wife deal, that it's right? me and her the rest of the night. Yeah, two year deal. So, there you go. I wonder I don't, if they release him. <laughs> I was going to say, he he's probably going to get released because he's not fooling anyone. And no. it's it's really bad. It's not even like he's a guy that can eat innings either. He's just He gets tattooed trash. too much to eat innings, and he's not <laughs> built to go that exactly. way. So. Exactly. So I don't I don't know, man. And then it comes to the deadline, and you know Uncle Ron comes out and says, I think it's good that we're tough to deal with you know, as far as trading players, because we don't take less than what we perceive their value to be. So then that kind of tells me, man, like... Well, it's a positive and a negative. It's a positive in that you're not willing to settle or get lowballed, but it's also negative because your perceived value is not actual value. The market sets the value. You don't. Yeah, well, that's exactly the point. And then that kind of gets me thinking, like him saying that, like, 
I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, God, we're going to hold on to Ross the rest of the year. And Hand and Yates and, and, hand and, and Yates. Well, else. Hand is whatever because he's under control, and he is very good. But Sometimes. Like Tyson Ross, right? Love Tyson. Love Tyson. We have matching tattoos. <laughs> but if he's here through the rest of the year, I think that's a tremendous failure. It is. It's a huge failure. Like, I don't care what you get for him. You can get a guy, and I, I saw this, uh, someone had pointed out, this was said on the Baseball America pod, they said if the Padres come calling for a player that's in the Dominican Summer League or someone that you haven't seen playing organized baseball, they probably know way more about that player than you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was a great point. I thought that was a great point. I think it was uh, Valiendo Padres that, that put that out. Now, I'd, I would prefer, even if it's someone like that, someone we've never heard of. Edward Olivares. Edward Olivares. Anyone for Tyson Ross. Anyone. Keeping him is a complete and utter failure. I'd it is love- a failure if he's still on this team past the deadline. And I I'll agree. be pissed, dude. I agree. I'll be pissed if he's still here. And anyone of value, dude. Anyone of value in the bullpen, gone. Done. Bye. Absolutely. See Via con Dios. I don't care. Get rid of everyone. I know people look at Brad Hand and want to compare him and say, look at what the Cubs got for Chapman. Look at what the you know, the Yankees got for Miller. He's not that guy. I mean, we were at the game Friday, and the thing is, when you watch Brad Hand pitch consistently enough and you see enough innings from him, you see why he's a failed starter. He cannot throw a fucking strike to save his life sometimes. There are some shaky, shaky saves. Too. They are. And this is why I don't buy into the save stat. Why I don't think it's indicative of his actual overall talent. He strikes guys out, great. He also walks guys, and he's all over the fucking place. Yeah. If he can't command his fastball, he's toast. He couldn't command it Friday against the Cubs, and he got burned. Um, he's just not those guys. I don't think teams view him... As a shutdown closer, I think they view him as a high leverage reliever in the seventh or eighth. I don't think they view him as a guy that they're going to go out and there where he's going to be our closer. I don't think they view him that way at all. I honestly, and and, I, and we may have had this uh, conversation uh, with John, you know, about how the Padres might approach the trade deadline. Honestly, I like the idea of just doing what they did last year. Let's package it like three reliever, two relievers, and a starter, and try to get the best package we can. That's how they got Strom and Ruiz, right? They packaged right. Cahill, yeah. who was a starter at the time, and then they threw uh, Bookter and uh, Maurer in there, who sucks. Yeah. And Bookter is, I think, with the A's now. Uh, but you know, they they made those that they they basically purged those three guys, you know, marginal players, and they got back Strom, who's pretty good. I'd like to see him start at least in place of Perdomo, and then they got Ruiz, who's you know in their top thirty, I believe. So I wouldn't mind if the, if it's going to maximize the deal. Say, okay, you know what? Yates has got some control. He doesn't have the same track record, but he's got some control. He's been really good. I mean, if, if we're being honest here, if we're going to pick a reliever for our all-star team, it should have been Kirby Yates. It should right. not have been Brad Hand. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure Yates isn't complaining. All-star selection. Yeah. yeah all-star is, is iffy. Yeah, but That goes into a whole different you know, conversation. But if they're going to pack and say, look, we'll give you two guys who can be leading relievers with Yates in hand, and we'll throw in Tyson Ross. And if they take one top 30 prospect out of somebody's system – I think you have to go with that because I don't perceive these guys' value to be that great. Yates doesn't have the track record. Ross has been awful of late outside of his last start. And he has he's also short-term controlled. And he has injury history. And Hand is just too shaky. Like I, I don't think teams view him as that. But yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, there's there's we can go on for a long time about the lows on the field. Um, a couple more that kind of it's just the organization as a whole. One thing that it kind of it <laughs> I'm not going to get as pissed off about it because if you don't like it, just don't get it. But 
since our boy, Friar Phil, brought it up, the theme game packages. And how you have to spend an extra $10 to get a theme ticket in order for you to get a quote-unquote giveaway. See, I think that's horseshit. Because they call it a giveaway yeah. if you have to charge extra. It's, it's, see, it used to be, and it still is if you want to drive up to Lake Elsinore and watch actual good baseball. It used to be you pay the money, the first 15,000 fans or whatever get X giveaway. Now it's, well, the first 1,500? Yeah, or sometimes, yeah, 15, 2,500, yeah. whatever it is. Who pay an extra $10 get this, you know, replica Tony Gwynn jersey that we had silk screened on a Hanes t shirt for you. Here, <laughs> congratulations. Like, it's such horse manure that you have to pay 10 bucks extra. And I'm sure that's what those things are worth. Like, from a manufacturing standpoint, they're probably, if you go to the store, that's probably a $10 shirt at Walmart, right? But. So then why not put stuff valued at that at $10 in your team store for people to purchase year round? I would why agree make with that, that even why make that just one day? A hundred percent. In fact, I would love to say, hey, if you purchase a ticket today, we're gonna have ten dollar, you know, Tony Gwynn, not giveaway shirts, we're gonna have ten dollar discounted, you know, jerseys in the team store. If you purchase a ticket, you get a voucher to go purchase this jersey for ten bucks. And it can be like the giveaway versions of the jerseys. That'd be cool, because I think I'd get people in the ballpark. Yeah, but then you're still paying ten dollars for True, the extra but thing. you're doing it but for you're everybody. Not yeah. it as a giveaway yeah you're not you're saying hey we have a special or a promotion theme going. game you know we have we have uh you know special padre replica jerseys brought to you by you know cox tv come in you know pay your pay the price of admission and then you'll get a voucher to go purchase this jersey for ten dollars at the team store yeah. i think that'd be cool because then you can present it you know they want to do this whole and we'll touch on your movie passage <laughs> here in a minute but they want to do this whole oh you know family friendly for under 100 bucks that would be cool if they took those giveaways and said hey Pay the price of admission. If you pay ten bucks, you get a voucher per person, and five bucks for kids or something. And then you can go purchase this like ten dollar jersey giveaway jersey, or you know, brought to you by Cox jersey or whatever. That'd be cool. The way they're doing it though is horseshit because you're going to the game and you have to pay an extra ten bucks to get in on top of parking, on top of the already ridiculous ticket, which our good friend at HJ Preller did a nice manifesto on. <laughs> so. You're doing all that plus an extra ten bucks to get a fucking cheap throwaway jersey yeah. of low quality yeah. when you can go pay twenty dollars for a nicer one at Walmart. It's just it's like they're trying to like pull cash out of their consumer's wallet at every chance they get while giving us a shit product and according to an article, a really crappy ballpark experience while they're on top of it. Or yeah. While they're at it. Yeah, and there's a lot of controversy around that article, but you know, and this could be I mean it could be a lot of uh, Major League Baseball. A lot of teams are doing this. That could be. Maybe our gripe is bigger. Maybe it's with Major League Baseball and not just the Padres, but we're a Padre podcast. You and I go to games. I'll say you and I, quote, go well, to I games. Well, I did go to a game, so I guess you have to count me now. So we go to games. We're paying for the product, So and it's here in San Diego, so we're going to focus on San Diego. It's just, you know, there was days, and, you know, the, the quality of them, they were never great, right? Let's face it, the rally towels or the beach towels. I have a couple of them. They're trash. My family would go... Every year. Oh, that's what I... Every yeah, the, single year the beach for towels, the beach towel giveaway. Yeah, absolutely. One of the most popular giveaways, I would imagine. Yeah, it doesn't matter what day the game was on. It doesn't matter how much our ticket cost. God damn it, we are going to beach towel and we were going to go. Padres Everyone. backpack day. I had a yeah, Padres those were great backpack, too. a canvas Padres backpack that I used the shit out of probably from like third grade through like sixth grade, right? Yeah. So, but you're right. They were never the quality, but it was the excitement as a kid. And even, you know, I'm sure as the parents, like, oh, we're going to go get this giveaway. Because I see people, I see people at work with giveaway Padre jerseys. Oh, Nothing yeah. from this year. <laughs> right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> because nobody wants to pay the extra money. But I just, and I can't blame Major League Baseball because other teams are doing these great, like, ticket packages 
where you pay X amount a month to get, you know, this seat or whatever. Like they're doing, it's like mini season, mini, a mini, mini season ticket package, right? It's like the movie pass for tickets. And we talked about it. Like, hey, you know, the Padres offered, hey, for 50 bucks a month, you can go to a weekday game, you know, in like the top tanks. And then during the weekend, you get a park in the park pass for 50 bucks a month. I'd be all the fuck over that. Okay. That'd be absolutely great. But they're not doing any of that. They're and not they're not trying to get you into the ballpark by making it accessible. They're trying to get you in by charging you extra to get a cheap t-shirt. Right. Yeah, that's 100% exactly what I was thinking for sure. And it's just like I don't know. It's the the whole like oh now it's going to be the first 1500 fans or the first 2500 fans to your earlier point. And now it used to be the first 10,000 or first 20,000. Like god forbid 20,000 people have a free Tony Gwynn giveaway jersey and they're wearing it in the stands. God forbid 20,000 people are wearing the same thing that represents your team and represents your city in the stands. I want to touch on something you said about the beach towels, right? I don't know if you ever got to go, but my uncle was military. used to get really cheap tickets in the top tank. And in 98, they had like a beach towel or rally towel giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's swinging their damn towels. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was getting clocked in the face. My cousins were getting hit in the face. But like, that's the thing I think of when they say like, we're going to give out 20,000 of these free things. You know, they're going to give out like Tony Gwynn. Okay. It's Tony Gwynn's last day, right? We're going to give out free for the first 20,000 Tony Gwynn jerseys. And you have 20,000 people wearing the same jerseys. Either wearing them or swinging them around. them up in the air, dude. It's... It's something that I think, and you can't measure it, you can't you know, quantify it, but I think it does bring the fan base together when you're giving those stuff away. Not, not when we went, when there were a bunch of fucking Cub fans there. Yeah. But, you know, to me, if this team gets good, are you really going to charge t- people 10 bucks more to get an extra 1,500 t-shirts out? Like, I have the answer to that. Yes. Well, I know they are, <laughs> but to me, like, what does, that, what does that accomplish? I mean, I know what it accomplishes, but, you know... How is that uniting your fan base? You're going to have 1,500 people get a free t-shirt and the other 25,000 out there aren't going to get shit? It yeah, just- and I feel like there's there's a lot of people out there that still don't know about this. Because you got to think for as many people on Padres Twitter, I think overall I Padres, didn't know about this until you told me a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think overall Padres Twitter is a pretty intelligent fan base. Very. Right? Like pretty up-to-date, pretty knowledgeable fan base. Fans. There's a lot of people who are not on Padres Twitter, who aren't on anything, that are that say, hey, let's go to the game, right? And they go to the game, and they see all these people with giveaway jerseys. They're like, hey, what the hell? I didn't get mine. I didn't get mine. Like, my, my family of four didn't get our jerseys. What the hell's going on? Oh, I have to pay extra for it? Oh, hey, thanks so much for bringing your family of four out. Give me $40, and I'll give you four shitty-ass giveaway jerseys. It's not so much the fact that, like, they're, hey, they're great, and everyone wants them, but let more people have them. Agreed. Let more people have them. Now, you mentioned the movie pass, and that's another one of my favorite bits. I've been my using, favorite bit. You've been using movie pass for uh, quite a while. I just barely got I've, into it, and I've I finally... I've seen, like, 30 movies. <laughs> yeah, I've, I finally got into it, and I have it working. So my, another one of my new bits, and this might be my favorite, is every single time I'm at the movie theater, I'm going to tweet at the Padres, and I'm going to say, hey... Man, this is so great. I have a nominal monthly fee that I pay. I get to go to all the movies I want. You know, this is amazing. I'll spend money on concessions every time because I got in for essentially $10 a month, so next to nothing. So I'm just going to spend my money on concessions. This is so great. But damn it, I just wish this was for baseball instead of movies. (laughs) Every single time I go to a movie, I use my movie pass. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to add the Padres. Now, I don't think think that my tweets alone are going to make them say, hey, you know what? This jackass with the crying Jordan, he has a good point. He has a good point. Let's go ahead and change this. I think this could be one of the lowest of the lows, and that's the fact that the Padres 
are still hesitant to put out any sort of affordable monthly ticket package. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah, and I mentioned when you're like, I don't know if it's Major League Baseball that's telling them to do this. I really don't. I, I think... Well, a lot of teams in Major League Baseball are coming around to this idea, except for the Padres. Exactly, which is why I don't think it's Major League Baseball saying, hey, you have to charge extra for a theme game ticket. I think... and I don't know if other teams have their dynamic pricing... You know, it's like, hey, the Cubs are in town. We're going to charge more. You know, do you remember when the Park in the Park Pass was $5? Oh, of course. Somebody on Twitter mentioned, like... Now you can't even get... Your fees yeah. are more than $5 yeah, to buy the like tickets. 25 bucks for Park in the Park, which completely defeats the purpose of Park in the Park. Right. And now, on top of that, you know, there's no... There's... I won't go to a bar if I have to pay a cover fee. Yeah. Like, I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to go there. They're asking for a $10 cover fee. The only bar I'm going to so pay a cover fee So I'm definitely not going to pay $25 for Park in the Park. The only bar... You you are going to see Eric and I pay a cover fee at is a strip bar. That is it. I'm not paying a cover fee. I think you would pay it for Trailer Park After Dark with their WWF. And uh, you know what? I might pay for that just to hear your play by play. Which if you haven't yet, please add Eric on Snapchat. Strictly for for the uh, play by play. But yeah, but uh, good lord, dude! Like, give us something. Throw us a bone. And the only thing that the Padres do, they're like, hey. Uh, you know, you can get a ticket, upper tank, you'll uh, bring Kleenex because you have nosebleeds. You can sit up there, you get a Coke and a hot dog for, you know, 15 bucks, which is fine. It's fine. But it's not a monthly ticket package. No, you know it's what not. I mean? And you're and, still not taking parking into account and then, like, you know, if you want more concessions. Because that yeah. shit ain't cheap. Yeah, so I'll, I'll ask you. So, you know, you're in the situation. there, single dad. We've touched on this for forever. There's a lot of people in your same situation knowing you, not a whole lot of extra, you know, not a whole lot of equity in my, with. yeah. I don't not have a whole lot. lot of breathing room in my wallet. So how much, realistically, not going into how much other teams charge or what the common price is, just if I said you paid X amount, and it was X amount each for you and your daughter, you pay X amount per month, how much would you feel comfortable saying, hey, I'll pay this, and realistically, I'll pay this for me and my daughter, and we knowing that we can go to any home game? Well, let me expand on that, because I actually had an idea while we were sitting here. Because I mentioned Park in the Park. It is perfect for this particular you know, type of gimmick, right? The, the ticket package. Perfect. If you charge somebody 25 or 30 bucks a month to basically have access to Park in the Park every single game, they can't sit down there. They can sit in the sand. They can sit on the upper deck or in the, you know, the grassy hill. I would pay, I don't know, for both of us combined, 50 to 80 bucks a month. If I could just get in unlimited access to park in the park and home games, to me that'd be worth it because I got a place where my kid can play. She can go play in the wiffle ball field. She can roll down the hill and goof off. I can grab a couple of beers during Beer Fest. You know, to me that's worth it. That'd absolutely be worth it for for a single parent that's on one income trying to you know have a good time with my kid and share because I love the Padres. One my like you had your memories with your dad. I went to the Padres games with my mom. Like in '98, we knew somebody that worked at a one of the casinos that you know had a partnership. And in 98, I think we went to three or four games a month, each wow. month, including a playoff game. So I have fond memories of bonding with my mom. Like, I went to Tony Gwynn's last game with my mom. Like, we got tickets, and we, my mom took me to go to that game. Um, so I want to share those memories with my daughter now. I have a you know three-year-old daughter. She likes watching baseball with me. She likes me to play baseball video games. So I want to share that. But I'm not going to drop fucking 40 or 50 bucks just alone on tickets. That doesn't... You for know. one experience. Yeah, for one experience. That yeah. doesn't mean, and I have to take her, and yeah, I could bring food in, but what the hell is the fun of here, babe? You want some fruit snacks? Like, I, hey, let's get a hot dog. Let's get some nachos. Let's have some soda. Like, let's live a little and do some stuff that I wouldn't normally let you eat, you know, when you and I are just hanging out. That's going to cost a lot of money. This whole, oh, you can get a family foreign for 100 bucks. It's like, 
Well, yeah, if you sit in the cheap seats and you buy maybe one hot dog. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, how much did you and I drop the other day? I mean, we dropped, uh, I think combined we dropped 80 bucks on the beer fest. Yeah. Uh, and then I think we dropped another 30 or 40 for the food. Yeah. That doesn't include what the sticker price was on our tickets. Now, we got in for free, and we'd like to thank the uh, Fowler, uh, Portello, and Seidler families, of course. But Such an honor. Such an honor, absolutely. We really want to thank them. But nonetheless, the sticker price... For those tickets, if we were to just pay face value on top of the fees, on top of dropping probably a good hundred and twenty dollars on food and beer, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we we probably looking at three or four hundred dollars for that experience. Yeah, you know, net, you know, actual cash value is probably three to four hundred dollars for what we did on Friday. That doesn't include that we parked in the barrio, you yeah. know, by uh, Hep C Land there. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of paying fifteen or twenty dollars for parking and getting shuttled over, so yeah. honestly, I mean, for for somebody that has a family, has a daughter, wants to share the experience, they're not fucking worth it. I'd rather drive her to Elsinore at this point, dude. It's just like so. My thing is charge. Okay, see, here's where I'm at, and I'm thinking of different because I know roughly what other teams charge, so I don't want to go too low, but then I don't want to shoot too high because it's still the Padres, and you're paying for that particular product on sure. the field, and it's supply and demand, you know. Charge $30 a month. I, I want to say $19.99 or $20, but charge $30 a month and say, you know what? It could very well be that Friday, Saturday, Sundays, you're going to get standing room only. You're going to get general admission park at the park. But Monday through Thursday, there's no one there at the games Monday through Thursday. Monday through Thursday, you get a ticket, but it's going to be in the top tank. It's going to be yeah. in the 300s. That's fine. Go hang out with Bobby Cressy, baby. That is fine. Yeah, during the day games. But it's like... Okay, Monday through Thursday, it's $30 a month. Monday through Thursday, you can have a top tank seat up in the 300s, knowing damn well that there's no one down in, like, the 120s, so you can just walk down there. And by the time uh, Leisure Fryers... And then weekends, weekends, standing room, park at the park. That Hey, yeah, it sucks to have park in the park, but that's what you're paying for. But does it really? Does it really suck? It's not that great. It's It's not not that that bad, though, either. It's not... You don't... You don't see the game like you're watching it I mean, on tv if you can go sit in the top deck i think that's fine yeah it is yeah see I, so you get to do that monday through thursday and, I, but and then the weekends, sun deck too i think if you can go sit above the sun deck um yeah. where uh where we were at uh, friday hanging out yeah you know i think that's fine because you have the sandbox you can hang out there and catch pretty much most of the game i think right. you're cut off from left field but it's enough it's enough to justify spending 30 or 40 bucks a month for one person. Yeah, do that. Make, make And really, you know what? They can't take up a seat if you do it park in the park. So if you're fucking five years or younger, don't charge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm on board with that too. And just make it also make a version of your team's gear that just make it one thing. Like one simple Padre shirt that's blue, if that's your color now, or brown in 2020. Make it your team's color and make it that, a simple version of it, and make it cheap. Make it like 10 to $15 you can buy at the team store so that families can get in, families can get the team's gear, and they can start getting their kids on board, and they can start that bond, and they can start that passion for Padres baseball at a young age, because right now it's not happening. Yeah, exactly. So. And I mean, that's that's the biggest thing too, right? Because yeah. I was nine when I became a Padre fan. I went to a lot of games. I was lucky to be at the age I was in 98 and have those experiences with my mom. Seeing Tony Gwynn hose Moises Alou at third base in the uh, NLDS, yeah. you know, from where we were sitting, like... That will stick with me forever. I want to have that experience with my kid. I just don't want to spend, you know, $100, $200 just to have it. Like, yeah, it's, it's not even that you can. It's like a lot of times... You... Even if I could, it's like, yeah. I mean, you look, at well, the yeah, co- you look at what you're paying for and what you're getting. It's like, is that worth it for like a day? It's not like it's a playoff game. It'd be different in the World Series. Yeah, yeah drop some coin. But this is like... The fucking trash, trash baseball. The worst team in the National League. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that's uh, let's get do, off our soapbox now. Yeah, let's do a little uh, little hat giveaway before we get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I did want to touch on that. So, uh, as everybody knows, uh, we have uh, the weekly uh, Mad Friar segment here. Uh, thankfully, because uh, the overlord John Conniff has such a great working relationship with all the minor league affiliates, uh, they usually are very nice in giving out uh, free swag, typically in the form of a fitted hat. Unfortunately, I was so excited uh, and kind of didn't double check that I actually got a size seven San Antonio Chunkless hat. Yeah. So, so attention everyone with tiny heads. If you wear a size <laughs> seven hat or smaller, or if you just want the hat as a collector's item, or maybe your kid wears a size seven, you maybe. Think it's cool. Yeah. Um, I do have a size seven uh, Chunkless hat. It's San Antonio, uh, right? Yeah, yeah baby San- blue. It's, it's, uh, it's baby blue in the back. It's got a white panel on the front with the chunkla, yeah, the flying uh, chunkla. Yeah, it's the, a yellow uh, board. I mean, you can Google it. Just Google San Antonio chunk, the flying chunklas. But yeah, yeah it's, it's the baby blue hat. It's got the white front, uh, the blue crown. It's got the uh, yellow uh, cap at the top. It's a gorgeous hat. I'm not going to lie. I was bummed out when, <laughs> when Eric texted me that it was only a seven. But um, if you want it as a collector's item for your kid, if you actually fit a size seven, I don't know how old you are. Or are you listening to this f bomb podcast? But um, go ahead and uh, retweet the podcast when Eric uh, and let me Eric know. Hop in my if you're like, hey, you know what? I have a tiny head and I'm embarrassed just, by it. T- just hop in my DMs. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> since since uh, we do it as a favor for John for helping us out and being on the show, just tag if you're gonna hashtag it. Just tag the San Antonio Missions in the hashtag, and uh, you can. Uh, you can uh, quote me on it. You can quote Eric. Retweet Eric. Retweet me. Retweet the uh, basically five, five. just let us know you yeah. want it. Just tell. Long us. story short, let us know you want it. And if you're a Mad Fire subscriber, you move to the front of the list. So yeah. we have no way that we're going to choose it. Just let us know. And really, I mean, it's a size seven, so, so. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be hard but, to hard to fit. But that'll but. be our gift to you. Yeah. Uh, the the, uh, the flying chunkless hat. If you want me to autograph it, I'd be happy no. to. Just let me know that. <laughs> Yeah, that drives down the value. Because once you sign it, I got to throw it away. I got to yeah. disinfect it. So, anyways, how's that for uh, an hour and a half episode on our All Star Break break episode? There you go. Yeah. I'm curious what the home run derby looks like right about now. But yeah, we'll touch I don't give later. a shit about home run derby. So, I enjoy it. Anyways, uh, we will be back next Monday. Um, the Phil Hughes watch is on. We're waiting for them to have an off day. Uh, again, he is seemingly agreed to come on the show so uh make sure you thank phil hughes for joining the 5.5 podcast when that day does come uh we look forward to that but until next monday we'll check in with you guys we're out of here